0: Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. And then the last thing I want to do today is I want to kind of push us into kind of where we're headed today with uh, today's message. You know, we are in a, in a time in which we are talking a lot about worry and anxiety in the world around us, and so we thought, hey, what if we talked about that as a church in a unique way and biblical way? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to have a conversation today. We usually have you meet and greet, but today we're doing conversation this way. I have a question for you, and the question is simply this. What choice is usually more difficult for you, what you will eat or what you will wear? <laughs> Are you stressing over what you will eat sometimes? Like, what are we going to eat tonight? Or are you like, what am I going to wear today? All right. Very low level question, I know. This isn't the deepest worries in the world, but it's a fun little conversation starter. So have a conversation amongst yourselves. I want to know how many of you worry more about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Tell the person next to you, go. Okay, surely you're not still talking about that, right? All right, by a show of hands, how many of you, generally speaking, probably spend more time worrying about what you're going to wear? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you guys, generally speaking, spend more time worrying about what you're going to eat? I don't know, who won? I think maybe food was. I thought food would win by a mile. But some of you guys are really worried about how you look, I guess. And you got the Yeah, I get it. It's cool. It's cool. Well, are you guys ready to go today? I am excited about today. We are in part two of our series called Better Than a Bird. A non-anxious presence in a world of worry. Now, this this series has a <clears throat> has a lot to do with what is becoming normal in this world. What's becoming normal in this world is Worry, anxiety is becoming normal. It's pretty normal for people to say, I'm worried, I'm anxious, I'm agitated, I'm frustrated about life going on or what's going on right now. I'm worried about global threats or I'm worried about, you know, uh, the economy or worried about the government. These are normal conversations, normal feelings. and, And I think that that's interesting, not even getting into our personal worries, right? I'm worried about health or I'm worried about my kids or I'm worried about my job that I have or the one that I want, or perhaps... We're even worried about our car because it's making a strange noise. Like there's we worry all the time, right? Last week we talked about systemic worry that's going on in our world today, and we truly do worry every day. So we're gonna read this though from Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is our key passage for this entire series this month, and 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 this Jesus said some really, really powerful words. We're familiar with them, but he says, Do not worry about your life what you will eat or about your body and what you will wear all of us rose rose our hand on one of those by the way is not life more than food or the body more than clothes look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they all right, look at your neighbor right now and just say to them, real quick, like you said, last week, with all sincerity, "You're better than a bird." <laughs> can any one of you it says this, can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? Now it may seem it may seem silly to say this reminder that you're better than a bird. But Jesus is using actually a pretty brilliant tactic here. He's using a very familiar illustration, everybody that he was talking to was familiar with the birds of the air. He says, look at the birds. Don't you understand that God takes care of them? And if he takes care of them, don't you think he's going to take care of you? He takes care of all creation, by the way. Don't you think he's going to take care of you? Because this is a pretty obvious statement. You're better than a bird. You're more valuable than a bird. This is like me looking at my kids, right? Looking at my kids and saying, I want you to notice out in the driveway my Ford Explorer. I take care of my Ford Explorer. I wash it. I I feed it with gas. I oil its joints. (laughs) I do. I take care of it. I change its tires. I take care of my Ford Explorer. But I want you to know something. You're more valuable than a Ford Explorer, right? Like you're more valuable than a car. And and Jesus, Jesus is saying, like, this is silly, but I have to tell you because you act like you're not more valuable than that. You act like that you should worry about the things that God is taking care of. You act like you're not as valuable as a car or as a bird or anything in creation, but you are more valuable because you are a precious child of God. And so this is, this is like this really simple illustration, but something that we all need to hear. We all need to hear it. So here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about how our comforts are connected to our worries. Normal thinking says that when you are worried, you should run, if you will, to something that will comfort you. So when you get anxious, we think, man, I need to find a comfort zone. I need to find my people that I can be comfortable with. I need the ice cream that will comfort me in my anxiety. We look for comforts when we are worried and anxious, right? Well, I want to go to Romans chapter 14, verse 17 and 18. We're going to talk a little bit about this idea today. But this passage is about an argument over whether a certain kind of food was permissible to eat. And there are those people who are worried about what to eat in this situation. So this is a biblical thing we're talking about today. Paul Paul writes to them about this in verse 17. He says, God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach, for goodness sake. That's a good line, right? (laughs) In other words, some were uncomfortable with certain foods and others were comfortable with certain kinds of foods, which makes me think of comfort food. Anyone enjoy some comfort food? Food can be pretty comforting. Like, I love comfort food. I love, I mean, chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, gravy, whatever it is, right? Like, honey, butter, rolls, sign me up. We find great comfort in what we put in our stomach. But he says right here, God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach. For goodness sake, it is what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. Man, that's a powerful word. For those of you who have accepted Christ, for those of you who know Jesus as your Savior, this is what God has done for you. He has set your life right. You understand that? He has He has, He has has completed your life with joy. It's like joy was like the cherry on top of your life. This is what Jesus has done. And he says... He goes on in the next verse, your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ. Do that and you'll kill two birds with one stone. I'm talking about birds again. You're better than two birds. You'll kill two birds with one stone, pleasing God above and proving your worth to the people around you. In other words, when you single-mindedly serve Christ, you will honor God and you will serve people. Two birds, one stone. What he's saying, that's the title of today's message. Two birds, one one stone. How many of you know that it takes it ta- to take out the two birds, if you will, of worry and anxiety? It will not be with the one stone of comfort. It's not going to happen. In fact, we run to comfort when we need worries or when we have worries. But he he does not work through comforts. He actually works through a thing called growth. Growth is actually greater than comfort. And so this is the thought that I want to wrestle with today. This is the thought I want to talk about and challenge us with. Everyone say, growth is greater. greater. I want you to say it again like you mean it. Say, "Growth growth is greater. Growth is greater than comfort. And we have to come to grips with something in our life. We have to come to grips with the fact that we've made comfort an idol in our culture. Here's what I mean by that. Comfort is good until it's not. Have you ever laid on a couch too long and your back starts to hurt and your, and, your, and your body stiffens up and you get up and you're like, man, you're like, sometimes there's too much of a good thing. So how has comfort become an idol? Well, it starts like this. We love comfort, right? We love the good life. We love to experience peaceful seasons. We love to experience conflict-free zones. We love to hear, to, 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 to go through hassle-free days. We love to have, you know, conveniently scheduled lives. Comfort becomes an idol when we value comfort over our calling. When we think comfort equates to good and discomfort or inconvenience equates to bad. This is how we normally think. Anything uncomfortable comes along. Anything inconvenient comes along. We immediately think, well, this must not be a good thing. This must be a bad thing. And this is, this is a common way of thinking. So we work hard in life to avoid discomfort. We worked hard to to push inconvenience out of our life because we really want convenient, comfortable lives. This is what we seek and this is what we chase after. Some of us hate the feeling of being inconvenienced. Someone breaks into your carefully protected iCal, your calendar of the day, and they give you an unexpected 30-minute interruption. You are very, very inconvenienced by this. Some of us feel that way. Some of us aren't there, but some of us are. And in today's church and in today's world, we believe that, well, God, ultimately, what he's wanting to do with us is he's wanting to give us the good life. He wants to give us the good life. Everything should be good. Everything should feel good. Everyone say good life. life. Everyone knows what the good life is, right? Where God makes everything better. Everything's easier. Everything's more blessed. It's, it's so blessed, it's blessed, right? It's, it's, it's like life at its best. I never want, just so you know, I felt the, the need to say this today, but I never want to preach how to have a better life here. I never want you to think that's what we're doing here. This is not a self-help, live the best life church. This is a follow Christ church. And I know that's like really easy to rah-rah, but I mean this really wholeheartedly. Because following Jesus is not always easy. It's not always convenient. In fact, it's it's oftentimes really hard, very difficult, very lonely to follow Jesus in this world. And we try and position it as Jesus makes everything better. He makes everything the good life because we have thought the good life means more comfort and more convenience. But the good life doesn't always mean that. The good life is full of the spirit. The good life is full of God's presence. The good life is full of something else that the world doesn't know anything about. And so when we think that it's about making our lives more convenient, we have done. Guess what we've done? We've made it an idol. We've made it an idol when we think comfort is more important than our calling. And Jesus never demonstrates a comfortable life, by the way. Never. Never one time. you got to think about it. Jesus came down from the comforts of his, the presence of his heavenly father. He leaves heaven, comes into a broken, messed up, sin-filled, messy world. He humbles himself to the point of showing others, hey, this is what it means to love others instead of yourself, all the way to the cross. He humbles himself in such a way that he he lays down what he was able to do. He could have had anything he wanted and he chose a life of discomfort during his time here to show us a way of life. All the way down to the most basic of needs. He says in Matthew 8, verse 20, he says, hey, you know what the foxes, they have holes, the birds, they have, they have nests, but the son of man, me, I have nowhere to even lay my head. He doesn't even have a place to sleep. He, he says, listen, listen, I know that that you guys are after money. He said, but I want you to follow in my ways. He sends out his disciples. He says, do like I do. He says, don't take a bag, don't take a shirt, don't take, any, don't, pay, don't take anything extra with you on your journey as you go and share the gospel. He doesn't even have material goods. He was willing to be so uncomfortable that he invited one of these people along with him that was going to betray him, and he knew that he was going to betray him, yet he was willing to be uncomfortable in the place of saying, even in relationships, I'm willing to be uncomfortable. He puts the entrance of others before himself. Matthew chapter 20 says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus was such an example of living uncomfortably to demonstrate how we ought to live. Does that mean we're supposed to be uncomfortable all the time? Well, I think there's something inside of this that we have to grab a hold of because of course there is comfort in God's presence, which I'll talk about in a minute. But how does this attachment to comfort tie to what we're talking about in this series, to our worries and to our anxieties. Well, I'll say it this way, and I'll put it on screen. I'll put it on screen, but we worry, you can go to that next thing. We worry about our life, don't we? We worry about our life, but are unwilling to let go of comfort in order to grow through and beyond our worries. We get stuck in the spin cycle of worries because we're stuck in our need for comfort. How many know that sometimes growth requires discomfort? Anyone agree? Matthew 6, verse 28. Oh man, this is good, by the way. This is gonna be good right here. Holy Spirit, come on. See how the flowers of the field grow. Everyone say grow. Grow. They do not labor or spin. Everyone say stop spinning. That's not like you said, stop sinning. That works too. That works too. Stop spinning. He says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, he won't, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry. You see, worry is a spin cycle, right? It's like when your car gets stuck in the snow. No matter how many RPMs you give it, no matter how fast those wheels turn, you're spending a lot of energy but going nowhere. And so worry will do that, where you work yourself up with a lot of RPMs and a lot of energy, but you're making no progress. So here's what I want to do. I have two things that I want to propose today. And this two, these two thoughts are simple. simply this. Number one, we have to abandon the idol of comfort. And number two, we have to practice the cycle of growth. I'll talk about what the cycle of growth is in just a minute, because instead of a cycle Of worry we could put ourselves in a cycle of growth so first we have to abandon this idol of comfort let's talk about that the interesting thing about the nature of strongholds and I bring that word up because we talked about it last week at length we talked about strongholds last week the interesting thing about strongholds is that they are designed to absorb a lot of our anxiety They're designed to actually give us comfort. And so this is interesting that I'm saying, hey, we need to die to our need for comfort, die to this idol of comfort. Whenever, if God is our stronghold, he is essentially there to give us comfort. And so one of the things God does when we are in God's presence is he gives us the comfort of his protection, the comfort of his love. And so the idea of comfort isn't a bad thing when we are experiencing in the context of our relationship with the Father. So to be clear, we want to experience the comfort of God's love, meaning we're going to get to feast with God. We're going to get to have our rolls with honey and butter with Jesus, right? Like that's going to happen. What we're saying, though, is that we must abandon the idol, the idol of comfort. Anxiety happens when we believe that something is going wrong. For example, we become anxious when we believe something is wrong with us so maybe we feel like there's a problem with ourselves we grow anxious we grow anxious when we believe there's something wrong with those around us maybe we're working someplace and we think this place is messed up and we grow anxious or we grow anxious when we think that something is going terribly wrong in the world and I don't know what to do about it and so I grow anxious so anxiety is connected to when something feels wrong so anytime something comes into your life that's uncomfortable discomfort enters anytime something comes into your life that feels inconvenienced we think that those things are wrong that doesn't feel right that doesn't equate to the good life that I think that God's supposed to be giving me therefore we think anything uncomfortable inconvenient challenging must be wrong God must not be in it therefore I'll avoid it I'll stay away from it I'll run from it and we try and find a life that's free of challenge because we think something's wrong with it. But how many know that God will use challenges in our life? God will use uncomfortable things in our life. God will use struggles in our life to grow us. God will use the tension points of discomfort and struggle in so many ways in our life. I want to show you a simple thought today. And it's just, it's just really this idea about growth. Let's just imagine it like this. On one side of this image, you see current reality. It's where you are today. On the other side, we have the preferable future, who you want to be. So how do you get from here to there? Well, it's pretty simple. You get from here to there through the process of growth, which is created through a series of tension points, meaning... Well, let me, just, let, me just, let me just illustrate something. I have something for us today. I've brought props today. Actually, before I get the prop, I need a volunteer. A volunteer to help me with this prop. Anybody willing? I'm going to pick someone out if, I don't, if nobody raises their hand. I, I'm so, I need a guy, actually. I need a guy. I need a guy. I need a guy. This does not, not mean anything. Don't read into it. Don't read into it. I, I, I see you guys raising your hand, but for some reason I'm feeling lead. My, my eyes are just zeroing in on, on, on you right there, right there next to Megan. Yeah, I don't, I don't know you, but come on up here. <coughs> come on up here. Uh, yeah, c- come on up, dude. We got something for you. Look forward to meeting this guy. <laughs> hey, what's up, man? What's your name?
1: Matt, yeah, you knew mom. You knew
0: here? Are you new here? Been here a few times. Been here a few times. <laughs> welcome, welcome. <laughs> for uh, I'm, uh, this is this is uh, these are called dumbbells. This is a weight. Okay. They're ten pounds each. Here, I want you to do something for me. Um, you look like a pretty strong guy. Nope. Uh, want you <laughs> hold that out? Yeah. And then you know, hold that out. Yeah. How long do you think you could um, hold that out like that? About fifteen seconds. Fifteen. S- <laughs> Can I get a different guy? <laughs> I was planning on this message going 40 minutes, and I don't know what I'm going to do now in 15 <laughs> seconds. No. Uh, so let me just ask you a question. How's it feeling? Heavy. Uh, okay, cool. It's only 3 pounds. Um, no, i was kidding. They're, t- they're 10 pounds. They're 10, 10 pounds. Uh, so let me, just, let me just ask you, like, if you worked out every day with these and you did, like, bicep curls, right, and you did it every day for the next month, do you think you'd get stronger? Yes. Do you think you could hold it longer than 15 seconds in a month from now? Yes. And and so the point in this is pretty simple, right? Like this is a very basic thing that because you created consistent tension in your muscles, your current reality for your preferable future, which you're hoping to become stronger, you're gonna change and you're gonna you're gonna get stronger, right? This is pretty simple. You're are you? What do you do by the way? I'm actually a coach. You're a coach. Huh. You would think you could hold this longer than 15 seconds, then. I'm, I'm shaking pretty bad. Right you're shaking. Yeah. Okay, this is good. How long can we just he- idle here with him, guys? You know, this could be fun. I-, I felt like the spirit led me to you. What was your name again? Matt. This is so good. Me and Matt are going to maybe do something later. Can hang I put out. these down now? Uh, I mean, I- <laughs> all right, so let me, ask you a different, let me ask you a different question. Let me ask you a different question. So if, if you worked out with this today and then you worked out with it in a month from now, mm-hmm. would you get stronger? You consistency. know, consi- This man is like he read my notes. So here's the thing. So because you lack consistency mm. in putting tension, you actually have no growth engine in place to actually get to your preferable future. You see, this is the difference between trying hard and training hard, right? Yeah, mm. good. Good. Some of us really try in our faith and some of us train. Come on. Come on. Um, Matt, I think you've pretty much done all that you can do for me today. I'm going to start working out more. Buddy. Hey, leave the weights over there. I'm going to use those later. I've been using those for a long time, you can tell. Um, thank you, Matt. Give it up for Matt. For the record, I know Matt pretty well. You know, we're neighbors. We're neighbors. But uh, uh, I know you guys were really t- unsure if I knew him or not. But um, listen, so there is a difference between trying and training, right? And It's why we say around here, like inconsistent faith practices don't ever work out the way that you think they're going to work out. So if you show up to church every once in a while, you don't really pray ever, you don't read your Bible ever, why do you expect anything to actually grow in your life? So you got to read your Bible every day as much as you can. You got to pray often. You got you to show up to church more frequently. You got you to do all these things because they're all, they're all creating tension points in your life that are going to challenge you to become the person God's called you to be. And they're not just for show. They're not just for legalistic kind of practice that that whole world is trying to tell you that everything that God says, hey, is really oriented for growth. That the world tries to say, no, 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 that's illegal. No, there is a legalism out there. But there's also just really, 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 really disciplined training. In which we're saying, you know what, I believe, I want my heart to be transformed by Jesus. I want to grow my heart, mind, and soul. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean in to the things that he's put in my life in order to grow myself to become the person he's called me to be. You see, you see, there's so many, so many people right now that are struggling in their faith because they're just trying and they're not training. If you only show up every once in a while or you only show up for God every once in a while, this is not going to work. God set up a different way of doing things. God uses tension, discomfort, and struggle to, grow, to be a growth engine in your life. All right. I want to show you one more thing today. I have a tool for you to kind of take this into a real practical way of living. I'm calling it the growth cycle. All right? It's the growth cycle. It's a framework for creating tension in your life. So rather than <clears throat> you just trying to go out and say, okay, now grow, I want to give you something. It's because spiritual growth is a combination of four movements in your life. One, good soil. Two, right people. Three, spiritual practices. And four, removing sin. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly, fairly quickly today. But first, you've got to plant yourself in good soil. In good soil. What do I mean by that? You have to consider where you are planted in life. Do you find your environment ripe for growth? And I'm talking about holistic growth, growth as a person, as a human being, but also growth as a follower of Jesus, and if you don't know Jesus, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, are you in an environment where you can learn about him? And only you can really answer this question about the soil you're in. Because this obviously can connect to your career, this can connect to a church, this can connect to your home, to the city you're in. to the It's, it's where you're planting, where you're trying to sink roots. Because if you're not in good soil, you're not gonna grow. Have you guys ever tried to grow in bad soil? Tried to plant yourself in bad soil. It didn't really work, right? You get soiled in bad soil, right? That's what happens. It gets all over you. Bad soil is where zero encouragement exists. Bad soil is where life gets sucked out of you every day and you end up empty and depleted and fatigued and worn out. You have to find good soil where you can be ripe for growth. I'm going to read a scripture that... Uh, Jesus talks about this idea of good soil. Matthew 13. He says a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds, those birds, they came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where did it, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, when the same sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. Everyone say good soil. Where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. By the way, good soil doesn't always mean easy breezy, right? Good soil, there's some seeds that grow in harsh conditions. There are some things that grow in desert places. There are some things that grow... And, and, and hard to grow places, but there are times which you need to be by the stream, that you need to be in the lush garden. You can only answer this question, are you in good soil? Are you in good soil? Number two, right people, right people. What I mean by that is do you have people in your life that are growth oriented people. Do you have people in your life that care about your growth? They may even challenge you. They may even, they may even hold you accountable to a way of life. They may inspire you to grow in your relationship, not only with others, but if you're a follower of Jesus, in your relationship with Christ, if your people in your life are more about easygoing formulas. I'm going to go back to a verse that I think is, is, is so good for us. Can you go back to this one, Matthew 7, 13. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. That's a good life, Right. Don't fall for that stuff even though the crowds of people do. How many of you guys know that crowds are a lot of people? The crowds are falling for this. The way to life to God, the true good life, the life to the full, the life that is full of the Spirit is vigorous and requires our total attention. So that vigorous way of life does not sound comfortable, does it? It's the broad, but the broad path, the way... To, if if you will, I mean, this broad path, the the way of the crowds. This is what the church is focused on, saying, how do we help people get off that path and onto the ways of Jesus? And so he says, listen, listen, you need to be around the, the right people. Because some of us, we're just around people that we feel comfortable with. We go to people that we've always been comfortable with. And people that challenge us to grow, well, they make us feel uncomfortable. So we quit being around those people. If you're only around people that live a comfortable version of faith, you gotta ask yourself, are you around the right people? This is why church is so important. Church is more than just Sunday gatherings. Church is more than a preacher and some songs. Church is the people you're with. Church is who are you being with that can spur you on in your faith, right? Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards loving good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another. Right people, right? Everyone say right people. people. Everyone say good soil. soil. Everyone say right right people. Number three, spiritual practices are another way of creating tension in your life. Disciplines never feel convenient, do they? But I love the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 9. He says this. He says, I discipline my body. I love there's another version of this that says, I beat my body and I make it my slave. That's the sticker you need to put on those dumbbells, Matt. I beat my my body and make it my slave, right? That's like I love that imagery, right? I discipline myself. Rhythms are another way to talk about this. Sometimes it's discipline. Sometimes it's the hard work of that. Sometimes it's rhythms. Like how do I create rhythms in my life where it's not just... It's not necessarily about this this workout regimen, but it's more about this rhythm of work and rest and celebration and community that's happening in my life. That I have this, this life that's like a song, there's like a consistent heartbeat to it that's about the ways of Jesus. And it's a life that's aimed at growth versus comfort. A life that finds the consistency that I need to create the tension in my life to actually grow, it's a rhythm, it's a heartbeat, it's a discipline. Are you with me? Do you have consistent practices in your life? And lastly, in this cycle of growth, is removing sin. Everyone say, removing sin. Removing sin. Romans 12:1 says this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, we really can't minimize this one. We can't minimize the necessary work of removing sin in our life. The truth is that the world has become very comfortable with a lot of sin. There's a lot of versions of sin that they're uncomfortable with. But there's a whole category of sin that the world is pretty comfortable with. There's a whole category of it It's like, hey, you know, do your thing. But I just want you to know that the way to righteousness, if you will, will demand that you live in discomfort to the ways of the world. Because here's the thing it's unavoidable. You can't secretly be righteous. It doesn't doesn't happen because holiness stands out. It's like a light in the darkness because you're living a different way of life. And so when you're removing sin and you're actively removing sin and you're not comfortable with the things that the world is comfortable with, and you're saying, "I'm I'm not comfortable living that way, well, guess what? You have to abstain from certain Behaviors. You'll have to abstain from certain types of entertainment, certain activities on the weekends. You'll have to quit things like sexual immorality or, or or drunkenness or anger or bitterness or lying or gossip or all other types of sin that the Bible talks about. You're going to have to rid those things from your life. You have to remove them from your life. Otherwise, you're just going to try and you're going to fall a victim to just falling back into a comfort place where you say, "I don't want to be uncomfortable." In my life with God, I want to be comfortable by being accepted by the people around me instead of approved by my Father in heaven. The removal of sin is positioned fourth in this growth cycle, but I want you to know it's not prioritized fourth. It's incredibly important. The gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus is all about our salvation from the way and a life of sin. The sin is what separates us from God. Sin is where the whole problem comes in. Sin and the darkness and the, and the brokenness and the, and the weight of sin is what even makes worry and anxiety present in our life. It's also the seed of brokenness and hatred. Sin is anything that is contrary to the good, pure, and loving way of God in this world. And following Jesus is a journey of removing sin from our life and growing in Christlikeness. Don't you consider it like this way? I, I this week, this week I uh, I taught my son Grayson how to mow the yard. I actually have some footage of this moment. I couldn't resist, and I couldn't resist sharing it. Sorry, dad move here. But I was I was teaching him, and here's the cool thing about this moment is like he wanted to know how to do it. I didn't have to say, hey, you know, it's time, son, for you to learn how to mow the yard. He was like, hey, I want to mow the yard. And how many of you know that growth is mostly about want to? And he wanted to. And so I tried to teach him how to line it up, you know, make sure you got the, the straight paths and, and, and showed him how to mow so where you get all the grass. But I'm just going to be honest with you, he, he, he didn't do amazing. <laughs> he missed grass. He was all over the place. There was like mohawks all over the yard. Pun intended, mohawks. It's like, it's a pun on cone. <laughs> Um. some of you get that um, so there's missed grass everywhere right he missed it all all over the place and but when I got done guess what I did I went over to him and I was like bro amazing I'm so proud of you you did incredible like I cannot believe how good you did on your first time you are amazing, I'm so proud of you, I'm so happy, look how great this is, and he's like, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, here, here's what I'm gonna do, I want you to go get a drink, and I just need to do a few things that I always do every time, I just need to clean up just a little bit more, but you did awesome, and he leaves, and then guess what I did? I went and cleaned up the yard, I I took out the mohawks, I cleaned up the edges, I took out the weeds that he missed, listen, This is what our heavenly father does to us. He's like, listen, I know you're in the growth cycle and I know you're only gonna get 80% done. Maybe you're only gonna get 50%. You're gonna get 80%, 50%, 40% of that sin removed from your life. But, But guess what? I got good news for you. I'm gonna send Jesus and Jesus is gonna finish the job. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your faith. He's going to come along and he's going to mow down the stuff that you missed. He's going to take out the weeds that you missed. He is going to finish what you started. He is going to finish the work that you are unable to do. There is a gap of sin in your life. You're never going to solve it. You're never going to get rid of it. But that's why Jesus has come to say, I will finish it For you, but I need you to want to do what the Father does. See, that's what I love about what Grayson did. He's like, Dad, I want to do what you do. And that's all the Father's looking for. He's like, do you want to do what I do? Do you want to grow in Christ's likeness Because if you do, guess what? I'm going to let you do your thing and I know it's not going to be perfect. I know you're not going to do everything just right. You're going to leave a lot left for me to do. But guess what? I'm going to look at you and say, you know what, kid? I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. Go get a drink. I got to do a little work to finish up. Man. The growth cycle is not a it, it's not an idea of saying you need to work harder, you need to push harder. It's not a striving attitude. It's an attitude to say, "I want to do this. I want to grow. I want to allow God to work in my life. I want a transformation of my heart, mind, and soul." And I know to do that, I can't just try hard. I got to enter into a life that trains. I gotta enter into a life that understands I will be uncomfortable at times. I will be inconvenienced at times, but I am going to, I'm gonna do what Paul says. I'm gonna mark out that race. I'm gonna beat my body, make it my slave. I'm, not, I'm gonna discipline who I am to become everything God's called me to be. Mm. By the way, comfort will try and stop every one of those. Comfort will say, when you say, I need to get in the right soil, comfort will say, you know what, you just need to stay where you're at. It's a lot of work to change. Comfort will try and keep you to stop right there at the right people and say, you know what? You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Growth doesn't abandon people. Growth says, I love everybody in my life and I will continue to, but I'm going to make sure I have the right people in my life as well. Comfort will say, you know what? Spiritual practices, you've tried them before, they haven't done a lot for you. It's really hard to stay on the couch. Comfort will say, you know, the removal of sin thing? You got to realize, like, there's some things that probably are good, but the world is all good with this stuff. You don't have to change your ways. Nobody seems to care. You see those people over there, they're doing this. Why does it matter? You don't have to clean your life up and cleaned it up enough. Comfort will stop you every way. And so then it's not a cycle, right? You see, you want this thing to be a flywheel where it's moving itself. But comfort will look to stop it every step of the way. So who knew your worries are connected to your growth and that your growth is connected to your attachment for comfort? But growth, growth is greater than comfort, amen? The two birds of worry and anxiety can be taken out by the one stone of growth. But you have to submit to it, you have to go for it, and you have to, more than anything, you have to want it. So here's what I wanna do, I have one final question for you. The question is this, which part of the growth cycle do you need to focus on first? We all need to focus on all of them, but basically I'm asking you, if it feels the most uncomfortable to deal with, that's probably where you need to start. Which one is it? And so I actually wanna let you into a moment of prayer. I'm gonna kinda move over for a minute. I'm gonna let you just reflect on that question. If you wanna type it in your phone, you wanna write it in your notes, but I want you to actually consider this. What do I need? What do I need to focus on first? So Father, I just pray that these next few moments, as we just spend some time reflecting, that you would show us, you would teach us, you would refine us, that Lord, we 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 are willing to subject ourselves to what would be like the idea of the refiner's fire right now. That Lord, you would you would refine us into the person that you want us to be, that you would expose to us the things that we need to see. Because God, we just want we just want a life where we want to follow you, we want to grow with you. Thank you, God, for the way you you've created this this opportunity to do that we just give you this time come holy spirit take a moment consider that write it down song, this altar's open, our prayer team's available. You can stay seated if you want, if you're continuing to pray, but if you'd like to stand as we worship, you're invited to do so. Allow us to just be a time of response. God, we give you this time. We want to be people who trust in you, seek you, with all of our heart, mind, and soul. We give you these next few, few minutes. Come Holy Spirit, move in our hearts.